What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash, what is today? Pro Revenge. You may hear the occasional shriek or scream. My grandson's having a little bit of an attitude issue today. <laughs> so, it is what it is. And a little bit of a shameless plug here. If you get a chance and you like suspenseful or scary or... They're not quite horror stories. Maybe a couple of them are. But anyway, if you like that type of story and you like the way I narrate stuff, then head on over to Uncle Spectre. I'll try to leave a link down in the description, and maybe even in, I'll pin a comment or something with it so it's easy to find. And, uh, yeah, with the spooky season upon us, what better time than uh, now to go ahead and get into spooky stories? Anyway, with that being said, and with the little screecher in the background there, let's uh, let's do some pro-revenge. Boss said I was the worst employee he ever had, so I'm getting his business shut down. Up until recently, I worked as a casual at a bar slash restaurant that was independently owned since February, and it was my first bartending job. I had previously worked at a different bar that was actually two doors down. I'll refer to this place as first bar job, but only as floor staff because I was too short to reach the hanging glasses. I was initially thrilled because I was very excited to learn how to bartend, and it felt like the owner, who will be called Steve for this story, was taking a bit of a chance on me because I had zero bartending experience. Plus, he was starting to get overstaffed, so he definitely didn't need to hire me. Things were generally good up until September, as the previous manager got fired in August, and we had been pretty much leaderless for the whole month. During this time, I did my best to help out, despite not being a supervisor like my two coworker friends. I'll call them Penny and Tim for this story. Since we were the only people trained on both the bar and floor, and thus the only people who could close both without being babysat. Penny actually approached Steve and said I should have my pay bumped up to that of a supervisor since I was working nearly every night from open till close and taking on so many responsibilities since her and Tim could only do Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Steve agreed and said he would, but never did. At the time, I didn't mind because I knew the business was struggling and I didn't think he'd be able to afford my new rate with the amount of hours I was doing. Steve broke his ribs recently, so he's been on oxys for the pain, and between myself, Penny, and Tim, we all stepped up to help, so Steve didn't push himself too hard physically. During this time, Steve's behavior went from a little bit annoying, but something we could laugh off as him being incompetent to totally inexcusable. A few examples are he blatantly took cash tips right out of the jar in view of another coworker. He was short $200 on the head chef's paycheck one week and got angry with her for repeatedly reminding him that he still owed her money. It took him 10 days to pay it. He snapped at all of us in the work group chat because he couldn't figure out how to connect to the Bluetooth for Spotify as Tim had connected his phone to listen to his music the night before and forgot to reconnect it back to the laptop. I fixed it in less than a minute of walking into work. He snapped at me for leaving the lemon and lime juice bottles low the night before. I wanted to use the quiet period that day to clean them and had taped a note on them explaining this on the bottle, but he later said after going upstairs to have a cigarette that he must have thrown out the note without reading it and forgot. And he said, don't listen to them, they're just being... When Tim and I were explaining to our other co-workers we have to improve the cleaning and maintenance of the bar by cleaning fruit juice bottles more regularly, dating perishables, dating the wines, etc. Then I realized in my last few days there that Steve never paid me the correct penalty rate for the Sundays I worked, despite both Tim and Penny getting the correct rate. I told Steve at the beginning of the month that this month would be my last. He tried to convince me to stay, but I told him that the problem was the lack of organization and his inability to give us any guidance while we were in between managers which caused Penny and I to clash a bit towards the end. He even offered to fire Penny immediately to get me to stay, saying he wasn't happy with her performance. I said that while I agree that she was having issues, the solution was not to fire her. She needed him to step in and give her guidance, and that firing her would only make things worse because we couldn't afford to lose a fully trained staff member. 
He agreed and asked if we could talk about this again at my next shift. When I saw him again, I reiterated that I would not be staying because I knew he wouldn't change the way he runs his business in such a laissez-faire manner, but I was happy to stay the rest of the month so he could find a replacement. The final straw was when a friend of Tim and I held his birthday party at the bar, that he set me to work since I knew the birthday boy and before everyone arrived, Steve had watered down the spirit bottles he told me that I had to use for the function. I discovered this the next night when I straw tested one of the drinks I was making. It tasted weak. This was obviously setting off alarm bells because if the measurements are followed, the drink should taste the same pretty much every time. I got both Tim and Penny to straw check the mezcal and surely enough they both said it tasted weak. You could even see the liquid refracting the light differently because it had been diluted with water. We proceeded to check every other bottle in the speed well and they all had the same result. The biggest giveaway was the Cointreau, wow I couldn't read that word, as it's distilled in such a way that it goes cloudy when water's added to it. Which I learned when I attended a Cointreau event that a friend who manages another bar around the corner from us invited me to. We marked all the diluted bottles with green electrical tape on the neck, which Steve asked us why it was there. We explained that we believed that they were watered down and that a staff member must have done it. After tasting one of them, he agreed and said, Damn, that means someone's been stealing from me and trying to hide the missing volume. I'm going to have to check every single bottle upstairs, which makes zero sense because the other bottles are all sealed. Tim and I just looked at each other in disbelief that he just lied to our faces and went on about opening the bar because we weren't comfortable confronting him more directly. When Steve came back downstairs, he seemed happier and suggested we use all the spirits that were diluted in the frozen margarita mix, which made Tim and I worried that he was just trying to dispose of the evidence. I quietly told Tim that we can't stop him without accusing him directly and we shouldn't accuse him without proof that is undeniable that Steve was the culprit. The following Sunday I came in because Tim and I were going to first bar job to grab some drinks once he was finished his shift, as it was that venue's 13th birthday. Tim told me the roster for the week was out and I was confused because I never got a notification for the app. I go to check and sure enough Steve has removed me from the system entirely to make it look like I was fired. No call, no text, no email, no communication whatsoever. I was just removed like that. My best guess is that Steve was upset because he felt like I was screwing him over by leaving since he relied on me to be there five days a week, since he relied on me to be there five days out of the six we were open per week. After having some drinks we came back to see if Penny wanted to join us once she was done her shift. While we're sitting at one of the tables having a glass of water waiting for Penny to have a free moment so we could tell her to our plans for the evening. Tim got a text from Steve, who was upstairs drunk, saying it was taking all of his restraint not to kick me out and asked him to please take her out of here, so we left. Later that night, I called out Steve for removing me from the system without communicating to me and for handling things like a cowardly child when I was willing to stay until he was confident in my replacement. He then proceeded to say that I spread lies, but didn't specify what I apparently spread lies about. Said, there's a reason you only have friends from work, and if you act like this, it won't be for long. Please mature. I don't like being accused of lies and knew he would tell everyone I was falsely accusing him so I decided to look for the proof myself and had the idea of checking the security cameras to confirm it was Steve who deleted the spirits and had the idea of checking the security cameras to confirm it was Steve who deleted the spirits. I figured out the password to the app for the security cameras since Steve uses the same password for everything and I had the password so I could check the bookings online. After spending nearly 4 hours looking through footage of the day of the function I finally found what I was looking for where you can clearly see the faucet running in the background and he puts three separate bottles under the running water to dilute them. I recorded the segment I needed through the app and saved it to my phone. I sent the video to Tim and Penny so they also have copies and Penny confronted Steve with the video. Steve claimed he didn't remember doing it because he was on oxys, shouldn't come to work if you're on so many oxys that it makes you forget stuff, and apparently got teary eyed when he saw himself doing that. 
About a week ago, I visited to say hello to Tim and Penny as they worked, since I live in the area and was on my way to meet some friends at another place around the corner. Steve must have been watching the cameras like a hawk because within a minute of me setting foot in the door, he called the landline to tell them to kick me out and hung up. Both Tim and Penny hesitated and Penny said she didn't want to kick me out since we're all friends and in the 30 seconds hesitation Steve called again to say he had to kick me out immediately or he would catch an Uber there to kick me out himself. I laughed since this was all so absurd and left because I didn't want Tim or Penny to get in trouble. A few days ago I was walking past on my way to meet a friend and waved to Penny through the front window and she came out and told me Steve had told her that no one is allowed to let me inside. In the time it took her to tell me this, Tim came outside as well to tell us that Steve had called. He could see us on the security cameras that's pointed at the sidewalk. To say that I had to leave or he would again catch an Uber to tell me to get off his property himself, which I don't think he can do because the sidewalk is council property. The same weekend, my two friends I've known for six years that work at First Bar Job told me that Steve had come into the venue and ran into the boss there, who I'm still good friends with to this day, that he should have warned him that I sucked at my job that I was lazy and the worst employee he ever had. This pissed me off exponentially because while his previous actions were annoying and childish, they didn't have an effect on me outside of having to deal with Steve, but this would affect my reputation. Most of the bars in the area are closed because they're mostly small businesses so the majority of staff across these venues are friends and hang outside of work with the exception of us. This is because Steve would get drunk and say something rude to the staff at the other venues, and the owners of those venues told them all to avoid our place since there's rumors that Steve deals to pay the bills. Steve doesn't know that most of these other venues hate him and don't want him around their bars. Thankfully, I'm friends with staff from most of the other venues, and they all have been really great friends in all of this, so they all know the truth, one of them even offering me a job on the spot when she heard things were going downhill. Because Steve is actively being malicious and going out of his way to ruin my reputation, I thought it's time for him to face the consequences. No more playing nice since he's going through a hard time. He didn't extend that courtesy to me despite the last month being one of the most stressful I've had in a while. I submitted a complaint to liquor licensing with the video since what he did is incredibly illegal. After much consulting with friends that have been in the hospitality for a long time, I'm aware that this will definitely ruin his business as it'll get his liquor license taken away. And since the place is already struggling and alcohol sales rake in the most money, the place will sink even faster than it already has been. I didn't want to screw over my friends that still work there though, so I made sure they were all in the loop and had something else lined up for work first before making the complaint. Tim's going overseas soon for a bit, so he's going to quit before he leaves. And the bar that hired me mentioned they'll need more hands on deck by the time he gets back, since some of the staff are from overseas and their visas end soon. Penny said she's going to get a job somewhere closer to where she lives, and her boyfriend that works in the kitchen has a stonemason job lined up. Her other friend that also works in the kitchen is just quitting to focus on university. Steve always brags about how he's Scottish, but he somehow forgot not only that I also have Scottish heritage, but also the words of the Scottish kingdom. No one shall provoke me with impunity. That's a long, long story. So I've worked for guys like this, uh, men and women, and I gotta say that you know, the oxy probably just intensified things. This guy was an a-hole before he ever started taking oxy for his pain. The oxy just brings out more of what you naturally are, generally speaking. People tend to think that users and abusers of substances are made that way by the substances they take. Generally speaking, I find that to be the opposite case. I've found that most of the people I've ever known, even remotely known, who are on substances that I knew beforehand... All it did was just magnify what they already were. Yeah, they could cover it up better, or maybe, you know, they had a better filter before then, but once they're on the stuff, it just lets the floodgates open, and yeah, you get what you get. Now, while it is illegal for 
I think I'm, I'm assuming you're in Europe here because of the way things are written. Uh, I know about some places in the U S yeah, it's totally illegal to water down your spirits. It's, there's a lot of laws around liquor licenses and things like that. But I got to say, you got to be careful because in most places in the world, it's also illegal for you to access an obviously private security system. Generally speaking, only managers and owners have access to that stuff. If you aren't specifically given the password for that to utilize, then you really have no reason to be filming that. So you got to be careful. It may it may end up with Steve getting no consequences because the evidence was obtained illegally. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah, you know, there's no point in staying around in a toxic workplace. It just doesn't make any sense. I've had to do it sometimes in the past because I needed to pay bills, but usually I, I've got my feelers out and I'm, I'm looking for something really fast. If I didn't have a family, it'd be different. I'd just walk out and say, screw it and figure it out. Crazy stuff, man. Deliberately deplete my prepaid phone balance? You will pay for it 1,000 times over. I went to middle school in the early 2010s, right before smartphones really took off. I got my first phone right before starting 6th grade. It was a slide phone with a pay-as-you-go plan that costs 10 cents per minute for calls and per text message sent or received. Worse yet, sending and receiving photos cost 25 cents each. It was very expensive and my parents only gave me $100 a year for this. If I exceeded the amount, I had to cover the rest with my limited birthday and Christmas money I had. Fortunately, most of my friends were good about helping me preserve the balance. They would call and I'd let the call drop, but immediately call back on a landline so it wouldn't count as a call. And they'd email me or message me on Skype for most things. Everything was good until Derek joined the group in 7th grade. At first we thought he was funny, but we quickly got fed up with him as he was very unpleasant and exhibited many antisocial behaviors. He started drama within the friend group and also caused issues between us and other kids outside of the group. He was manipulative and always played the victim when others rightfully called him out on his crap. And he knew how to charm parents, so getting rid of him was easier said than done. He was the one friend who didn't respect my phone situation. He very frequently texted me dumb memes, even though I told him multiple times to just email or Skype them to me instead, since pictured text messages cost 25 cents each. Unfortunately, blocking phone numbers was a feature that was unavailable for this pay-as-you-go plan, so there was nothing I could do as he spammed my phone. One day he got mad at me for some reason and spammed my phone with memes. He must have sent me over 100 lolcats over text. He kept sending them until I lost service since my phone balance was depleted. I had lost the $40 remaining in my account as a result. I was extremely pissed and demanded that he pay me the $40 he had cost me, and he refused and said it wasn't his problem. I got home from school really upset and told my dad about the situation, expecting him to go and tear Derek's mother a new one and demand the money. But my dad said that it wasn't worth the battle. I even asked him about a small claims court, but he said that not all battles are worth fighting and that the effort wasn't worth $40. He took me to the carrier's store and loaded $50 onto the phone. The carrier changed my phone number and they managed to block Derek's number. They had initially said that blocking phone numbers wasn't possible with this plan, but my dad insisted and wouldn't leave the store until they did it. I was extremely paranoid about my phone number being leaked and other kids spamming it to F with me. Fortunately, my parents got iPhones that summer and got me one too, and the new family plan had an unlimited text plan. Nonetheless, I was pissed at the $40 he essentially stole from me out of Alice. Fortunately, not too long after, there was a big blowout between Derek and the rest of the friend group at the end of the school year, and we permanently kicked him out of the group. He was an outcast the following year in 8th grade. Nobody was tolerating his stuff anymore, and he changed schools the year after, and we never heard from him again. Fast forward to a few years ago. I was back home for a few months between graduating college and starting a new job on the other side of the country. I went out to some garage sales one Saturday morning, and I ended up at Derek's house. I recognized his mother, but I don't think she recognized me. I guess glasses and a beard is all you need. 
I noticed some Pokemon napkins out for sale, and when I picked them up to look at them, Derek's mom said that her son had been obsessed with Pokemon his whole life, and that she was tired of Pokemon stuff occupying her home for so many years. I said that these napkins were from my younger cousin who's really into Pokemon, and asked if she had any more Pokemon stuff. She said she didn't know people were still into that, and that there were a few boxes in the attic with her son's old stuff. She actually took me inside the house, which I never imagined I'd set foot inside ever again, and let me climb up the attic ladder and take down several large boxes to look through. The first one had Christmas ornaments in it and other junk, but I freaked out inside when she opened a box jam-packed with Pokemon video games in the original boxes, though I kept my cool on the outside. The whole reason I had agreed to go inside in the first place was because I was holding out hope of this exact scenario happening. See, I knew Derek was obsessed with Pokemon. Our friend group liked Pokemon back in the day, even when other kids thought it wasn't cool, but Derek was on a whole different level. He bragged about his Pokemon collection all the time. At the time, he had every single main series game in the original box, and in mint condition, as he always had to add in. I went to his house once, and he was showing me his collection. He yelled at me for touching one of the games. Nobody was allowed to touch them except him. Nobody was allowed to touch them except him. He had many older Nintendo games in excellent condition, but Pokemon was his favorite. He had a couple of incidents with his mom damaging or throwing away his things. It wasn't out of malice, just ignorance, as she didn't think the games or collectibles had any value. Fast forward into the present day. I was thinking about this when I asked his mother if she had any other Pokemon stuff. She ended up bringing out the Motherlode. We opened all the boxes she had me bring down. Within the boxes there was the beloved collection of Pokemon games, all very well preserved, as well as several Nintendo consoles, hundreds of games, two dozen binders full of Pokemon cards, and there was also a box of many Lego sets with the original boxes and everything, with many old Star Wars sets. When I saw Django fed I knew I struck gold. I told her that I liked old Legos as well and asked her how much for the five boxes of games, cards, and Lego sets, and she thought for a second and said $100 a box, or $400 for all five. I told her I would take it all and hauled ass to get to an ATM. I loaded the five boxes into my dad's truck and immediately drove home. I knew there was potentially tens of thousands of dollars of goods here. This was the score of a lifetime and I finally felt vindicated for the $40 Derek had taken from me all those years ago. I ended up giving all the stuff to my uncle who's a hobbyist eBay seller. He offered to sell it all. He was willing to go through the effort and sell everything individually. And despite my insistence, he said he wouldn't take more than 10% cut of the profits after all fees and taxes. We went through and logged every single item along with the estimated value, and the total of the whole lot was about $40,000. 40000 was a poetic number since this was a thousand times the value of what Derek stole from me all those years ago. My uncle sold most of the lot before the end of the summer and ended up writing me a check. Though it was considerably less than 40000 it was still a life-changing amount of money for me. I was able to pay off my remaining student loans and put the rest toward a down payment on a new car. Like one of the other commenters said below this post, <laughs> that was more of a petty revenge but turned out to have a pro-revenge payoff. So, uh, good for you, man, you know? And I can almost guarantee you that Derek stayed exactly the way he was in middle school because uh, very few people I grew up with, again, just like the substance abuse thing, very few people that are like that when they're in middle and high school or before substances tend to change their ways. Like I said, they may cover it up better, but deep down inside, they tend to stay the same way personality-wise. Oh, look, there is a cat back there. Hey, guys. YouTube thinks you're going to like this video here on the screen, so do me a favor and help out the channel by giving it a click. See ya.